by the uh, strength of how she said it, is anybody else in here besides myself terrified that you're the one that got on Renee's nerves? No? Okay. We've been going through a sermon series for the last couple of weeks, The Road to Recovery. It's actually the Bible plan reading today. It's mentioned there in Romans 11 that God has a recovery plan. He has a recovery plan for those in Israel who had rejected him, and he's got a recovery plan for us. Whatever hurt we have in our life, whatever hang-up we have in our life, whatever, whatever habit we have in our life, he can bring freedom to that. I can testify to that this week. Uh, Sarah and I are empty nesters, and I broke a 20-year-old habit for the first time in my life this very week. I have not five to six times a day walked through the house and turned off every light that was left on. <laughs> it's been a wonderful, freeing week. Uh, how is it we need to recover? Uh, how is it we need to experience that? But also, as we're moving towards whether it's Alpha or we're going to launch our Celebrate Recovery, our community-wide in September, how is it we can share that news to come and experience the freeing grace of Jesus Christ? If you have your notes, and I want to review those very quickly if you haven't been there in your bulletin, what we've said is, is starting out together is that we realize our powerlessness. Romans 5, 6 is clear. We were powerless, yet God sent his Son for us while we were powerless or ungodly. And so it's only grace, as the choir so beautifully sung to us this morning, it's Jesus Christ, our living hope, who gives us grace and power over sin. Then we must earnestly believe that God exists, but not just believe that God exists, but what kind of God is it that exists? A God who cares for us and a God who desires for us to be free. And then last week in James 5, we reminded ourselves that we have to commit to this. Our faith is not a passive faith, but once we're in that faith and have received grace from Jesus Christ, we need to actively and purposefully choose to place ourselves in his will for our freedom and for our recovery and for our reconciliation. And then lastly, to openly confess our faults to each other. We just don't get well alone. Are you kidding me? To openly in front of another brother or sister in Christ say, here's what I'm struggling with. I watched four men do that Friday night at Fight Club. To get in front of a packed room and say, hey, here's where I, here's where I struggled. But not to stay in that and say, here's where Christ and others. Almost every one of them had to name another man in their life, another person in their life, who helped them in their coming back to God in their recovery and their reconciliation. So that's part of our growth. James names that. And here we are in Romans 12 this morning, and we'll be there tomorrow in our Bible reading plan. This reminder, looking at our notes, that I am to voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. We've all got them. All of us have struggles, all of us have defects, and you can't have read this Bible reading plan, Romans 1 through 11. I mean, I'm ready to get to chapter 12 and get a change in Romans, even though he said some beautiful things about the Spirit leading us and the, and the, and the redemption we have in Christ. These have been depressing chapters about our sin and our sin nature, that we are fallen and we certainly wrestle. As Paul says in chapter 7, I wrestle nonstop with my sin nature. The things I want to do, I don't. The things I should do, I all those things. It's a real struggle. Not only is there a spiritual issue, but the Bible is, is readily confesses 
there's, there's some biological stuff that predisposes us to struggles, right? What's been passed down to you? This unibrow? Thanks a lot, Dad. Yeah. What fun thing did you get? What difficult thing did you get? The Bible acknowledges those things are real, okay? But it, but it also says we don't have to stay there. It may mean that some of us do have a tougher fight in some ways because of those dispositions and what's passed down. Sure, but we don't have to stay there. There is grace and power in Christ, in his resurrecting uh, power. Also, it's not just biology, but it's circumstances. Those that we've been around, how we grew up, all those things affect us. But what Paul says to us, just like James says to us, it's our choices. How do we respond to that? And so much of that choice has to do with, as Paul says here to the church, the renewing of our minds. You want to be transformed. So much of that happens in mind. Even that word repentance, part of that meeting, if you heard our guest speaker this past Wednesday, our illusionist, Zach was reminding us repentance, the root word of that has to do with mind. It's not that I just do a 180 and turn back to God, but I literally change my way of thinking to his thinking, my will to his will, my heart to his heart. It's this change. And if we want real transformation in our life, especially in terms of how we view ourselves and our our life in Christ, it has to start in our mind because our thought life, and I've shared this before, but I found this in a Bible study years ago. We all just have temptation. We all have a thought life. But if we stay with that, those thoughts will eventually become desires. And if we stay with those desires and allow them to take take root, too many times they make it to the street. Those desires become actions. And once those actions start to get multiple, those actions will become habits. And habits form our character, and our character will produce our destiny. But so much of that starts in our thought life. And so Paul's saying, in your mind, you've got to take, as as Scripture says elsewhere, every thought captive, you've got to be renewed there in our battle over what God can do. And this is a transition point for what God wants and what he can do is Romans 12. Therefore, and you see it in Ephesians, you see it in Philippians, you see it here. Paul will do this all the time, give us some deep theology, not only about our sin, but also what Christ has paid for us and the grace that's available in Jesus Christ. And then he'll drop this word, therefore, and then the next several chapters to close out his letter or epistle are all practical. Here's what can happen. I know what was over here, but there's grace. Therefore, church, I need you to be this. Church, I need you to stay away from this. And that's where we find ourselves in, in, in Romans 12, this transition. And part of, that, part of that is a response. No matter our biology, our circumstances, our sin nature, here's what you can be and ought to to be, and so much of it's in our mind. Even in verse 3, not only does he say renew your minds, but he says in verse 3, don't you think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And so many times, our finding ourselves staying in our hurts or our habits or our hang-ups can be because we, in our minds, we, we just identify with our stuff. We identify with our defects. We just say, that's the way I am. That's the way my family is. And so we bump into something 
we bump into Romans here, and it's the exact opposite. I know, I know those things are real. Paul says, yes, I wrestle, but I'm not going to identify with my defects. I'm going to identify with the freeing power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. But you, you put your stuff in the blank. Okay, I'll read, you, I'll read you this sentence. You put your stuff there, because I admit, maybe you can admit today, I live there sometimes. Where we say, well, that's just who I am. Identifying with our defects and our stuff. Complete this sentence. It's just like me to what? That's just me. I mean, I'm a workaholic, so I, ha- I have to do that. Look, it's just me. I'm a fearful person, and I just that's how I'm wired, and that's how I have to be. Look, I'm an engram number nine. That's just the way I have to, I have to be. Look, I'm just, I'm just my family. If you knew my family, that's just the way we are. Listen, it's just I'm the kind of person that loses our temper, so my temper, that's just the way I'm going to respond. And Paul would say to that or to any temptation, may it never be. Sure, we have all that stuff that's passed on to us in so many ways. Circumstances, biology, sin nature. But what Paul's talking about here is real life transformation that is offered in Jesus Christ. And by, as he said earlier, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You are now his children and his children are led by the Spirit. How do you, how do you and I need to respond to that today? We got our stuff. I've got my stuff. There are times I can just say, well, it's just my stuff. I can even identify it. Or, do, or, or can we say, you know what? Jesus, you've done more than just save me. You are saving me. And I'm going to trust you to take that stuff, put it aside, and give me the freedom. It's for freedom that you have been saved, says Paul in Galatians. Or as John says, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. If you're following along in your notes, that, that the last part of the notes here is also a helpful word to us. Paul reminds the church of this. Uh, Celebrate Recovery says it this way, as do many recovery ministries. We're always to evaluate our relationships, to offer forgiveness to those who hurt us, to make amends for any harm I've done, except if it would cause harm to them. Paul reminds us, yes, we have individual sin, but if you read Romans well, it's always about us. It's not just about me, but it's about us. It's about, yes, my sin, but our sin. But then not just about my response to God, but about our response to God uh, together. It's got to be both individual and corporate. And you just see that throughout Jesus' teaching. When, when you've got him bump into the rich young ruler, I always keep the law. Which ones are you keeping? I'm keeping the ones that have to do with my relationship with others. And Jesus says, good, go sell everything. I'm having trouble with those first couple of commandments about God, and he walks away sad. The Pharisees are actually the opposite. You know, if you, if you go to uh, Luke 11, they, 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 I pay that mint tithe, right? I've got the first couple of the Ten Commandments that have to do with God. We keep Sabbath. We, we, we have no other gods. And then you listen to what Jesus says to them. You do injustice. You're not caring about anybody. Uh, I like what Ligon Duncan, some of you remember him, the former pastor of First President Jackson and president of Reformed Theological Seminary. When he preached on this passage, here's what he says. These Pharisees were tithing their mint and their dill and their rue and their tiny little herbs. How nitpicky, how meticulous. And Jesus says you fixated on these little things, but you're neglecting the really big things. Church, we can do that. 
I can't tell you how critical doctrine is, especially in our age. But if you, we can we can bump into those Christians. I've got all my doctrine in a row. Great. What have you ever rolled up your sleeves and served somebody? Listen, I tithe. I go to church every week. Great. Did you hear what Carrie? Saying this, when's the last time you've been on your face crying for a brother and sister in Christ, going through it? Yes, it's my love of God, but also my love of neighbor. When, when Wesley talks about these things, it's the same thing. He says, yes, I repent before God, Wesley would say. Know yourself to be a sinner, and what manner of sinner thou art. But he goes on to same, say in that same sermon, you love others as your own soul. It's always got to be both. And so Paul, as he's saying, yes, we repent of our sin, you just watch what he says at the very end of, of Romans 12. Yes, you present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord and renew your mind. And then how does it spell out after that? It's us. It's corporate. Listen to these. Be of one body. Be devoted to each other. Give preference to one another. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Associate with the lowly. Be at peace with all men. It's corporate. It's other-centered. I, I'm at that time now where all my friends are turning 50, right? So we're all seeing each other after a long time of not seeing each other. And I went to a 50-year-old birthday party the, uh, yesterday for my best friend in high school and college. And there was another guy there that I had known really well. We went to the same youth group together for years, went to uh, college together. And he and I were talking. And he, he is, he's just been through it recently with the death of a parent and a long-term illness we were talking about that and he shared one particular instant when he when when his parent was just uh just so sick and he had he had went through his phone he had this last minute not request kind of a demand that he had to move some really heavy equipment from one place to another within a matter of like 48 hours and so he's struggling this is a december weekend it's cold it's actually sleety who do I call on this? Because I, this is where we struggle. I can do it on my own. He realized he can't do it on his own, that he needs others. Who do I call? And so he's going through his phone. He says, I'll call, and I'm going to change the name here. I'm going to call my friend David. And so he called David. He said, David, this is so-and-so. I need you, man. I've got to move some equipment from here to over here, and I've only got a few, few hours. And you hear David on the other line said, look, I know, I know about your parent. I'll be glad to help. I'll be there in five hours. I'll bring my trailer we'll get it all done and he hung up now my, my friend thought to himself number one whew, one call and it's done somebody says they're going to come and help me but then in the back of his mind he started thinking to himself wait a minute why five hours i'm gonna be out here alone for five hours why couldn't my friend just be a little bit more selfless get up and get going early on a Saturday because it's going to take forever till he gets here. I'm going to do most of this work. He admitted a little of that snuck in. And he was going to call him back and see if he could go quicker and he realized, oh goodness, I called the wrong David. I called one of my customers who lives in East Texas who knew about my parent and without blinking said, give me five hours and I'll be right there. Five hours driving, going to work all day in the sleet, five hours going home. Why? What does Paul say? You be devoted to one another. You give preference to one another. You contribute to the needs of the saints. You practice hospitality. It is not about 
me. It's not about my kids. It's not about my little tribe. Sure, that's my primary responsibility, but I have another primary responsibility. It's the body of Christ. And then it's the world to share the love of Christ and the grace of Christ. Paul says, yes, you repent, you present your bodies, but part of that is this love for the spilling out for others and this need for others. Go, as you read through Romans in our Bible reading plan, or you just read these last chapters, it's rarely about me. It's, it's consistently about the spiritual gifts that are to be used for all of us. It's about don't be a stumbling block because it might affect somebody else. Over and over again, it's corporate, corporate, corporate. Yes, it's about us, but then, I mean, my, my individual self, but it's also about how it is uh, we can bless and be for others. How is it you need to hear that this morning? That you will, as we said last week, be open to this understanding that it's going to take all of us for me to be well. But part of me being recovered and reconciled to God also means I've got to always have you on my mind. In our racing culture, it's so easy just to focus on my kids. In this racing and busy culture, it's, it's, it's easy just to focus on my small group or my Sunday school. But, but, but Paul's saying, practice hospitality. Share and invest in others. You have no idea what the Lord can do and will do. I got to hear four men talk about that on Friday night. I got to hear Zach talk about how just an, a letter from an aunt brought a Muslim kid struggling with all kinds of questions of suffering and pain and the investment of one person in his life and how it changed his life uh, for Jesus Christ. How is it? You need others to, so you can recover, but how is it you need to be a part of their recovery as well? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word, for what it says to us, of for what we can have and what we can be in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, and being filled by your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to renew our minds so that we might be truly transformed. Uh, Father, help us in our thought life. Bless us that we might see who we are in you and not to let our past or our biology or our circumstances dictate that, but to know that we're your children. I'm, it's a real fight, Father, and we need your help. Uh, to be free. Uh, bless us as well to invite others into our lives to help us with that, but also help us to have that focus of your son, Jesus Christ, who, who did not consider himself to be served, but, to, but went and served and was a ransom for many. Help us to be self-giving, looking for how we can be a part of the recovery and the healing of others. We thank you for that gift. Give us that heart and that focus. It is in your name. We pray this prayer. Amen.